Hi everybody, welcome to Legacy Hardware. This is the fifth installment. I'm Jason, joined with James and Lance. Hi. Hello. So, welcome back. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback this week, so that's something that we're going to go over. And also the big elephant in the room, the reserve list change. We'll definitely be going over that after our break, I think. And then we also have a deck tech lined up for you guys today. It's something that you wanted, and it's something we're going to do. So we're going to have a deck tech upon goblins. What are you fist pumping for, James? Okay, never mind. You don't want to share. But anyhow, did you guys see any uh, feedback that you want to go over in special? Um, I can't really think of anything. I like it was pretty positive. Like there was like you know, I guess there was a couple comments about how uh, how me and Lance went off last week about lands and how people are just underprepared for it. And I kind of, I, I mean, I, I'd apologize for way I uh, I uh, was leading. Uh, it was a little misconstrued. Uh, my my opinion is that like a monocolor deck needs non-basic land hate as it is. Uh, so like playing cards like Price of Progress is never a bad thing, anyways. Playing cards like Back to Basics and uh, Merfolk or Mirfolk, whichever one you, you know, want to call it, isn't a bad thing either because it, it it just makes your game that much better because you're not as reliant as they are. And what I've noticed from a lot of the metagames that are coming up now is that there are going to be a lot of lands decks, as it's been shown, is that lands is just gaining in popularity a lot. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't have the money to make it, somebody has the money to make it, and you... and. Uh, uh, causality statistics I'm not sure if I'm right on this though states that you're probably going to play that person because you're unprepared for them or more importantly somebody's parents has the money the, uh, that lands. Too. <laughs> I don't think anymore though oh by the way too guys I just wanted to let you all know we have officially been called out I don't know if you know of our location, but we're in Pennsylvania. We're about two and a half hours away from Bestial, uh, the Jupiter Games tournaments that uh, always draw over 100 people. And one of our friends from the source.com, or not somebody that we've been in contact with, he told us that we need to actually get out to a big tournament and get sick and die just finally called us out. And he wants to see us at the April 10th um, Jupiter Games tournament for, was it for a Mox? For, uh, any mocks, for any mocks. For any mocks for first place. And so we're going to do our best for all of you folks that are from the Vestial area and attend the Jupiter Big Tournaments once a month. The three of us are doing our best to make it up for the April 10th tournament so we can actually gain some legitimacy and we can go and kick some legacy ass at a larger tournament. Well, the thing is, is if, if we got to prove our, uh, our legitimacy... Our we're going to be in trouble... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll probably be in trouble because I, I'm i a lot better of a deck builder than I am a player. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this might be interesting to see me go and fail at a, at a non-Star uh, City Games tournament. <laughs> well, you, do, you were doing okay with stacks at that one Star City tournament, weren't you, for a while? I was okay. I was 2-0, and but I lost every prior match, really. I only won a, another one, and that was by... A lucky. You won every match afterwards. Prior would be before. Oh, oh, oh! Match. I lost every match afterwards. Yes. It happens. Bad deal. Bad <laughs> Oh, and another comment that we got. Uh, somebody made a comment on the ignorant word that got thrown around by our group last week. And we're sorry if we offended anybody. But as far as educating players, that we defined as ignorant last week. We apologize. We. We're not trying to offend anybody that listens to us. What, James? The apologizing thing. Yes. Okay. Our email. We did get another comment saying that we shouldn't apologize. That we shouldn't? No. Yeah, we yeah, apologize for getting off track last week. And oh, he, that we, we apologize for like 30 seconds, and he didn't like that. And we're doing it again, so we're going to stop. But it's our goal here is to educate, and it is to create a better legacy community. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring a way for the legacy community to be joined together like it hasn't been before. And hopefully this podcast will help to do that and help to keep a current news thing that's going on so people won't have to scroll or go through all the MTG, the source forms, and we can let everybody in the news that's going on to the legacy world. And I think that was our goal to begin with. Right, guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Maybe. Yeah, Not kind so much. of. Maybe. And... 
just to go over the other uh, feedback that we got, everybody seemed to enjoy where we're going with this, and we're going to start doing deck techs every now and again because that's been a big suggestion. Oh, with the inaugural one today. Yeah, and we're going to we'll get into that later. That'll be after our break that we'll yeah. go into the deck tech. But any other feedback that you guys noticed? No, I'm 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 quite oblivious because I've been working pretty okay. regularly, so I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time from you guys. <laughs> and we if you want to check out something pretty neat, everybody, one of the fans of the Facebook group his name's James. He posted up an interview of Zach Hill. It was actually an interview of Zach Hill from a year or two ago talking about Legacy and where he thought the format was going. It was actually last year. It was at Honolulu. It was at Pro Tour Honolulu. Okay. But, yeah, that's something you all want to check out. It's a neat thing. And speaking of our Facebook fan page, we got, like, five new fans on our Facebook fan page, and we got six new followers on Twitter all within the past week. We've had four emails sent to our email account. We've had emails sent to the MTG cast, or we've had comments on the MTG cast network. We've had tweets at us. So, listeners, you guys are doing a fantastic job at interacting with us, and it's exactly what we wanted. And another note in the feedback, it's for the third time now that we've gotten a request to try to do an interview with somebody. And the almost unanimous person you want to be interviewed is Doug Glenn. So this week, I will try to reach out to Doug Glenn, see if he wants to be interviewed. We'll set up a Skype and try to interact and try to get in contact with him that way. So we can really try to provide to you all what you want. But so a Dougling interview or an interview with somebody, there's some definite players and that we can get in contact with that I think would provide some insight to the format. So we will try our best to do that. And they all seem very open to talking about said format. So it's not like it's gonna be hard to say, Hey, uh, can you talk to us about it? It's more of a when can you talk to us about it. And within the legacy community, most of the people have a diehard passion for legacy. They have a burning passion for it, and it's something that they shouldn't have a problem with, even if they think we're idiots, you know, which I'm sure somebody does. A lot of people do, but that's besides the point. So, everybody, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back to our discussion on the reserveless policy, unless there's anything you two want to add. Well, no. Um, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, I've, what I was going to say was going to entail with the reserveless policy anyways. Okay, so we'll be back in just... Just Okay, everybody, welcome back to Legacy Hardware. I hope you didn't mind a short break there. We're actually going to talk about the reserve list, the elephant in the room. We're going to talk about that this week. Um, After this, we're going to go over the Orlando tournament report, and then we're going to do a Goblin deck tech. So I hope you all like what we have for you here in the second segment. So let's go ahead for the reserve list. What do you guys have to say? Why? Uh, and the problem with that question is it'll never be answered. They've already stated that. Uh, it, I mean, it may be answered in time just by what happens, but I'm never gonna. You're never gonna get a straight answer from Watson. And this is the first time I've done this. You know, it's, that's the main complaint of the community right now. Okay, so you did it. The only reason why we're really ticked off about it is that you haven't given an explanation or had you told us anything that you're going to. Mark Rosewater on his Twitter feed said himself, "We it's kind of hard to defend something that you can't talk about. Yeah, and that's it brings up an interesting point with the fact that there wasn't anything talked about, and it kind of seems like they were forced to keep a hush, which doesn't make any sense, because especially with Aaron Forsythe, because his, um, his Twitter account up until up until the reserve list, like the re, uh, the reprint, uh, the, the reserve list change was like he was very very much supporting legacy, and it kind of seems like it was a slap, especially since he doesn't have anything to say about it. Yeah, one of our buddies, Brian, who's a big legacy enthusiast like we are, he said, you know, everything seemed to be going into the right direction, and this was just kind of a shock to the system, and that's exactly what it was. We thought it was going to get abolished. We had no idea that this what's going to happen. It it's, came out of nowhere. Yeah, And uh, the what I had heard was apparently Aaron Forsyth also on his Twitter uh, said that it was uh, was denouncing the fact that everybody was calling it Hasbro's decision. And it wasn't Hasbro's uh, decision. I want to know then who did make the decision. It's really 
because it seemed like that they were all on board with. Get, I mean, they talked to people who were anti uh, ban list. Well, they said there list. was a they huge were, controversy within the Wizards company itself of what to do with this. So this wasn't like it was unanimously supported, and mm-hmm. there's good reasons on both sides. But now that unfortunately all of them have to support it since the decision was made. Right, and and the and the thing is, I know I know that. Uh, Bywis and Miendi have had to keep uh, had to keep a lid closed on what they talked about, but from what I had heard, that it, their uh, their arguments uh, for the uh, removal of the reserved list, uh, it seemed like were received very, very, very uh, positively by uh, Wizards. Okay. That that it seemed like that um, they took. The, it seemed to them, apparently, um, I'm not sure if I'm, I read them right or am reading into this wrong, but it seemed to them like they left under the assumption that they were going to get rid of it. Yeah, and that's what we thought this whole time, up until last, or a couple weeks ago when this did change. Yeah, I don't I don't want to say anything. I, I mean, like, to be fair, to be fair, uh, and, I, and I know somebody's thinking it out there, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, I understand that uh, what it what it is what the reserve list is, but to be fair, Ben Bywise works for a large company that makes money uh, by selling cards, and I cannot one hundred percent trust him for that same reason because Star City does gouge prices. Uh, trust him for what he said. Yeah. Yes. Here's here's my thing though. He's a smarter businessman, right? Than that because honestly. In the near future, it will do great for the secondary market. It will cause prices to rise or remain steady. But what happens two, three years down the road, Legacy becomes a more widely supported format. We have Legacy PTQ formats. It's going to do nothing but drive these prices through the roof. We're going to have people not able to buy these cards, and Legacy is going to end up in the same company as Vintage. That's where I see this going if there's no way to make these cards again. But you got to remember this, too. Was the is the problem with uh, printing the cards is also uh, the market becomes well the everybody starts getting into uh, legacy and even the reprint cards are going to go up in price because they're sought after still but that's going to keep the market eat more even than what it is now all it's going to do is create more uh, and, and this is what I was noticing is all it would do is create more. Uh, cards at the same price at a, a, eventually. Uh, it's the same thing as Berserk with uh, the the um, from the vault. From the vault, it might be like twenty dollars less than the other one. However, it's still pretty expensive to pick up. But that's twenty dollars less. It's still pretty expensive to pick up. And I, I know either, a it's lot still of, easier for people to get that than what it. it think of. I, I, I'm sorry. It's just it's you're. Staying, but it's still going to provide a cheaper option for the people that need it, yeah. and that's the point. I'm uh, trying to. Admit. It doesn't. Well, see, like for casual people, I know we're not talking about casual people at this point. We're talking about legacy players. However, I know legacy players who also don't want to break their banks to buy these cards, and even if they reprint said the dual lands, uh, and and they're still around twenty, thirty dollars, these people aren't going to buy them. I, I would I would have to slightly disagree with that. There are people out there buying fifty dollar Bane Slayers right now. The, yeah, there are people out there buying fifty, uh, but you're only seeing like the ten percent of the, uh, the pl- like the players that'll actually go out of their way to buy these things that actually have the money to do so. There's a lot more budget players than there are uh, cutthroat cutthroat players. With the, then why are the prices as high as they are? Because, because there are of those. the cutthroat players who are buying four ofs of this and totally just sapping them from the market. Because look at some of our friends. We have some friends who own ten force of wills, force of wills for one legacy deck, force of wills for another legacy and deck, a couple for, for EDH. EDH, and that's what we have going on here. Because people will buy more than what they actually need, and I think some of the problem might stem from I don't want to say greediness, but overconsumption. Yes, I mean I just ordered four more wastelands. Because yeah. I have I have the money to do it right now, and I found them for a pretty decent price. So and uh, uh, just allows me to play to allows me to keep two decks together. So that's the thing, you know. It's just like it, 
I don't know if there's too much more that we can cover on this issue, right? Uh, the the one thing I did want to say is is I see I, I see this as well. I was reading on uh, the source and some other uh, forums. I think it was Salvation that was the the first guy I saw said it. Uh, Wizards likes to do these uh, uh, grammar gymnastics. Okay. Where what they say isn't actually really what... Like, there's a preview card out for uh, Rise of the Eldrazi right now that um, uh, Rosewater's talking about. He said, it's a it's a kind of reprint of an alpha card. It costs one blue, and it has the text in it, draw three cards. Yeah. There's something... There's there. something else there. That was like... That's uh, called grammar or gymnastics to me. That's exactly what they did with Death's Shadow. Because they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, there's a creature, there's a one-drop creature, more powerful than Phyrexian Dreadnought. And I know I know that one. My, my, my legacy instinct was, really? Really? <laughs> really? And then guess what? They lied. <laughs> well, it's the thing about this, they did the same thing with Lightning Bolt. Tom Lapile, in his article before M10, before they were releasing Harley and previews, he said, we'd have to think especially hard about reprinting a card like Lightning Bolt, and my spidey senses went off, and look what happened. The way that they stated the, uh, the, the, uh, if, do you have it up real quick? What's the, that? The, the, the revise of a, oh, and you can read up. that little paragraph for me, just so that it's, uh, which, which paragraph do you the, the one that says about them closing off all the reprints. It's like the last paragraph on the, okay, on the thing. But, yeah, I, I don't know, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like even, like well, you'll 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 get what I'm saying here. Whenever he reads, it. I just want to verba- verbatim. The one just with reserve cards. Yeah, yeah. The complete list of reserve cards appears at the end of the document. Reserve cards will never be printed again in a functionally identical form. A card is considered functionally identical to another card if it has the same card type, subtypes, abilities, mana cost, power, and toughness. No card will ever be added to the reserve list in the future. No card type, no cards from the set Marcadian Mask and later sets will be reserved. In consideration of past commitments, however, no cards will be removed from the list. The exclusion of any particular card from the reserved list doesn't indicate that there are any plans to reprint that card. Where'd you read that from? The, this is on the uh, the exact one that. This is on the reprint policy. Yeah. Okay. Never mind that. Why? What the, because the original announcement didn't say anything about not them not being able to remove cards from the reserve list. Oh, yeah. I think they actually this, shut that off now. So, this see, re- the original thought was um, that the, um, the go figure. Yeah. Uh, Lance is going to take a break. We'll come back to this. But another, he has to go answer his t- telephone. Another thing was the reprint policy. They never said that they. Wizards always reserves the right to change something. You know, it can always come to the possibility where they decide that the reserve list can be stopped because it's been changed two prior times before this. And this is like in its fourth revision right now, so there's definitely a possibility that it just might be changed again. Yeah, and that's the only thing that us Legacy players can hope for. I mean, I, I started Legacy fairly late, so I can't say this, but I've noticed that that, like, Legacy isn't really a stagnant format. Like, things happen, like, every set that, like... Like, you know, there's always something in every set that makes Legacy that much better. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go back to Conflux and talk about Progenitus. Natural Order Progenitus is huge. It's a good deck. Progenitus was that creature for Natural Order. And let's go Let's go to Alara Block. Uh, Shards of um, uh, Alara Reborn. Quazali Pride Mage. Oh my gosh. Great card. And awesome. now we're starting to see the effects of the Thopter combo in Legacy as well. So yeah, I mean, then we'll then we'll hit Zendikar, Bloodgast, and Iona. I but mean, the thing is, though, it's the staples that are going to be the dual lands. You know, the dual lands are the big issue, and that's what we're worried about here. It's not the other stuff in Legacy, but it's the dual lands that everybody's concerned about. Yeah, because those are what you need to compete in Legacy. And one thing that they could do. We were talking about your proxy flooded strands, the gold border from the championship decks. Is that what they're from? Yeah. On making those tournament playable, I I would think would be okay, wouldn't it? Because the gold border, because you have the white borders and black borders in decks where you you know 
Would it be that bad of a thing for a road border? The only thing is, is that you should um, that the backing of them isn't isn't a magic back. Yeah, that's true. I also heard. Hi, I'm back. I also heard that uh, um, it is now required for people to play with sleeves. So mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of you know area where they can say, well, this wouldn't work. And if you have opaque opaque sleeves, it prevents that from being seen at all. However. Even with, like, the best sleeves, I mean, I'm sitting here with uh, Ultra Pro here. I mean, they're not the best sleeves ever, but you can still see a slight semblance of the card from the back. Dragon Shields, you Same can see thing. a little bit of the card. You have to hold it exactly at the right angle with the exact amount of sunlight. But, but it's still. still able to be seen. Yeah. Uh, they they so. have to, I would think they'd have to do something, but that's just my thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we get for thinking, too, I guess. Well, thinking's not such a bad Thinking's thing. pretty good. I guess. <laughs> it's part of being in the human condition. So well, it'd be really nice if like somebody from Wizards would actually listen to our podcast, too. I don't think they would. Nah, probably not. Maybe. Well, a- anyways. Uh, I I people that listen to us. The reserve right. list is now here to stay. There's nothing going to be taken off of it. There's nothing going to be uh, added to it. Um... I do, however, see this as maybe a stunt of growth of Legacy. However, I don't think it's going to make the cards, especially right now, I don't think it's going to make the cards overly overpriced. For now, it's fine. It's fine. But, like, gas prices, you know they're going to go up. (laughs) Yeah, because there's a big... there's, There's a big problem with the fact that whenever people are driving, the gas goes up 50 cents. Whenever people are not driving, it goes down yeah. 25 There's cents. There's limited flexibility, exactly. and that's what we have here. We have a classic case of supply and demand. And I saw the numbers up on uh, on the source of how much of each dual land was actually printed, and it's kind of crazy to see. It was scary to see that. There's, there's, not, a very, no, There's not a lot of beta duels. No. Beta duels are the hard ones to find. Uh, There's a four and black borders are actually quite easy to find. It's because they printed them. However, yeah. However, however, uh, four and black borders are still like a hundred dollars more than their uh, revised counterparts. Yeah, revised counterparts. So, so anything else you guys want to say about that before we move on? Or is that all we've got well, to say? Uh, I'm I'm still waiting for that. I for one on. welcome our new reserved list overlords. <laughs> Are new reserve list overlords. It's it's a saying. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm still like like unfortunately like, this list doesn't have a loophole. But I'm I'm just waiting for it. It's got to be something that we're overlooking. Besides yeah. the fact that they have the right to re- change the reserve list, right? They, yes, they always have that right to change it again because this is like the third time that it's been changed. So that's something that we can cling on to. And uh, honestly, I think a lot of this. They just wanted to stop the speculation for now of abolishing the reserve list. And I See, think that's what the big deal was. What a, 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 Yeah, like a big thing could be them coming back in a year and saying, okay, this really didn't work, so let's just wipe this it This might just be a thing that they're taking more time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to keep people off their, off their asses. Because these past month and a half before this came out, people were really... This is becoming a hot topic. So it is just a quick... People stop peckering around and thinking about what we could do or what we should do, and it has cooled down people. Yeah, people are like, okay, well, now we know what's going to go, what's going to happen. Granted, I still, I still really want an explanation. I even sent a letter or a uh, email to Wizards, right? Whatever the article came out that said about it, uh, I just really want an explanation. That's what everybody wants. And if if they, and no matter what. The uh, the reasoning would be behind it if they just gave it to me. I'd be happy. We want a reason. That's they. That's they, all the magic community wants. Yeah, and they do this with they do this with everything. They give reasons why, and that's like one of the best parts about wizards is the fact that they say if if they change something, they say why. They say why, uh, and I really commend them for that. Except for this time. It's where just, they don't say why. It's on like Watsy. It's kind of scary. Maybe we're spoiled a little bit by them saying why they do stuff every time that we don't deserve a answer for one thing, you know? Actually, I want to send out an ultimatum. See, they did this last time. 
See, when they uh, when they changed damage on the stack, they gave us Lightning Bolt. So, Watsy, if you're not going to reprint this, give me double blue counter-target spell. <laughs> I will take that as an apology, and only that. That will fix standard. <laughs> and M11, we want counter-spell. Exactly. Or next set. Whatever. Maybe a so that's the only thing I can. That's the only thing I can say is that if you're going to cover it up with something, give me a double blue counter. Yeah, well, we're legacy, so it really doesn't matter. But we still play the other formats. Oh yes, it make the the other formats a little bit more fun. Yeah. What else do we have to go into? Yeah, well, you guys want to move on to the Orlando 5K tournament? Sounds, sounds good. All right, let's yes. pull up the top 16 deck list, and we have a bonus deck list in there as well that came in at 25th. So first place we have. Goblins, red, black. We have Assault Loom, Merfolk, no surprise there. Countertop Bant, no surprise there. Bant, Merfolk with white, as opposed to Merfolk with green. Reanimator, and finishing out the top eight, we have Countertop Dr. Depths. AJ Sacker, or Soccer, Soccer. Soccer, gets total props for me. I watched him play that. I watched him play that back. That deck is a stroke of brilliance. And what else we have after that? We have Mono Black Control. At ninth place, Evergreen. <laughs> it's it's Evergreen. Countertop, Dark Bant at tenth place. Merfolk at eleventh place. Dredge twelfth. Mono Blue after that. White Weenie at fourteenth place. Countertop, No Bant at fifteenth. Evergreen finishing out the sixteenth. And then our bonus twenty fifth place light or twenty um, fifth place deck is won by Keith McLaughlin called Life. So. Let's hit up. Let's talk about this deck a little bit first before we get into the top eight. Uh, Life. It's a green, black, white deck. Running it, some interesting commons in it. It was originally just a green, white deck. Uh, the com- the combo in it. I know the older legacy players will remember this because this was probably one of the more dominant decks a couple of years ago. Uh, but the main combo in it is uh, um, Nomad Zencore. And, or Shaman Encor and Task Force or Daru Spiritualist. Whenever you target one of those two, they get pluses to their defense, and then the defense, and then uh, with ample defense, they will be sacked by uh, like Diamond Valley to gain uh, exorbitant amounts of life. Speaking of which, remember how we were joking around about Gideon? I think we just found a place for him in that deck. Yeah. Think about it. Make them Alpha Strike you, and then make your guys do. You guys, huge and swinging at the door end. Yeah, I guess that could work. It's interesting uh, to think about. But five um, man is not that hard uh, to get to. McCormick splashed black for Doran, which is actually kind of a touch of brilliance because that gives him a huge offense with the guys with the big butts. Also after. duress as well, so it oh. gives him a little more stability yes. against the combo decks. So James, what do you have to say about this deck? Uh I played against it before uh, in a different form. Well, no, Tom played it too. Oh. Yeah, because he had he had like he he did he did the same he thing with the Shuko. Breeze. That's how, yeah. that's how I knew exactly what it was. He did Shuko Lightning Greaves and just targeted. Um, there was like a common that did the same he thing. Yeah, Daru Spiritualist or Daru. Yeah, Daru Spiritualist. Yeah. Uh, it gives a cleric a plus seven, zero plus two yeah. whenever it's yeah. targeted. Yeah, and then he he would he would just do that and then gain exuberant amounts of life and then it'd be like, man, this is not fun. But it was pretty funny to watch. But uh, no, it's 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 funny. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's another one of those decks that they probably got there by pure shock factor. Yeah, to twenty people didn't know how to attack it. But see, the the thing about it is, is it actually is quite a, a hard deck to attack because at, at at a certain point, if you've assembled half of the combo, you have a very good creature defense. Yeah, you especially against Zoo. Against Zoo, Zoo can barely do anything to you. Once you assemble the half of the combo, like uh, you get a uh, Shaman Encor and Daru Spiritualist, you have two creatures that can have X uh, defense. So they can block anything and just sap the damage. Okay, would you like to enlighten me, you two, on why there's Progenitus in the sideboard? Of that deck? Yes. Uh, Does he have Nourishing Shoal? Or not Nourishing Shoal. Oh, what was it? There's some way to do it. Uh, I haven't seen anything. Aether Vile. Yeah, Aether Vile at 10. 10. I've not seen it. I, I don't know. I'll have to look at the deck list then. But, um, 
the deck is a very solid deck, and it's just missing the offense, like the staggering offense that uh, most decks have nowadays. Uh, also, the fact that it doesn't play blue hinders it a little bit against combo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it, well, it has the duress, and then so, it has yeah. uh, thought seize out of sideboard. It as lives well. through Charbelcher every team. time, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just as long as Charbelcher doesn't hit turn one, if if it if it can assemble its combo, which it can by turn two, it can assemble its combo by turn two. Uh, it it can win. <laughs> so what else do we have here? That's it. Because that's about all we have for that deck. Anything else interesting in the top 16? I didn't get a chance to look over the deck list too much. But yeah, there's that evergreen list that they call Mind Flight Control. It's just silly. It just it just doesn't play any Goyfs. Yeah. That's pretty much the reason. That no, it plays Goyfs, doesn't it? No, it didn't. It I swear that he played Goyfs. Nah, there's oh, Tarmogoyf. Oh, yeah, it is Tarmogoyf. Okay. It's, it's what it is, is it's evergreen with more of the creature base from uh, the Mono Black Control by... Uh, what was his name? Well, the, the guy at the last... At Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, because it's got Nighthawks, it's got... It's, there's no Nighthawks or uh, Gatekeeper Malikers, yeah. so. And it's also only playing three Nantuka Shades. It's only playing three Tombstalkers. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing really exciting there. What do we have in this fan list? Oh, Spell Stutter Sprite. It's green, white, blue. Nothing exciting. Spell Stutter Sprite, Sprite Stoneforge Mystic. So, it's a banned aggro deck without the Natural order, and there's no, there's no soft lock from counterbalance top either. Mm-hmm. So it's running Mutavolts to back up the spell stutter sprites. Yeah, What's it's running in its board. Um, board we have one pithy needle, three Tormod script, three Etherswarm Cannabis, two Meddling Mage, two Blue Elemental Blast, three Crozier Grips, and a Mind Break Trap. Mind Break Trap. Yes, sir. Mind Break Trap's good. Those are cool. Three days is main deck, one ponder. So other things interesting. Not Two right. threads of disloyalty. And there's four or four Stoneforge Mystics when it's only running three equipment. <laughs> one sword of fire and ice and two Umazawa's Jitta. It still extends them. Yeah. It does. Sword of fire and ice is just amazing. Super nutty. So let's talk about AJ Soccer's countertop list. So AJ about one of the very few bright spots in Pennsylvania Magic right now. <laughs> He's from Central PA. He's from the Harrisburg area. Um, it's nice to see him really delving into Legacy because he does he does have pretty good ideas. Yeah, well, um, this is a... Is, wasn't there a uh, counter... The author Foundry list that made the top eight of... At Indianapolis, yeah. yes. However, it was more built like the... Uh, extended. The, the extended version. Which was more of like a Tezzeret control deck. This one does. I do like the Enlightened Tutors. The Enlightened Tutor using the Enlightened. However, I'm not a big fan of the fact that his only combo in it is Thopter Sword, right? Uh, He has Jason Mind Sculptor in it, too. Well, I think this deck could really use uh, Painter Grindstone as well. Because that can be tutored up with the. And it's a secondary win condition against an opponent that you can't out uh, outnumber. Well, it is two win conditions already. And the rest of it's just a bunch of silver bullets. And that's the point of the deck, I think, to use Enlightened Tutor. Is there a Trinket Mage in here? No. No Trinket. No need to. I Enlightened so. Tutor yeah. everything. Well, yeah, I didn't know if it just ran Enlightened Tutor 5 and 6. But the tr- Enlightened Tutor there is just to give them a toolbox against... Look, one main deck Tormod Crypt, one main deck Pithing Needle, one main deck Engineered Explosives, one main deck Crucible Worlds. And that's what it's meant to do, just a silver bullet, a bunch of things main deck, so it doesn't have to revert the sideboard. Yeah. It's got a back to basics. That, I mean, that, the, 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 in, the, in, the ingenuity to this deck is what he has in his, um, in his uh, enchantments. He has a singleton back to basics. He has a single moat, which is completely bonkers. Like, I like... Out of hunt, uh, and that's actually really perfect for his little flyers as well, because they go over the moat. Yeah. However, the big dudes on the ground do not come over the moat. So, in lands, he has one tropical island and one swift head, one swept heat, for two green horses. All of the cards that come out of the sideboard. We have four Tarmogoyfs, a Sylvan li- Library, three two Crozen Grips out of the sideboard. 
So he has a bunch of green deck or green cards. Sylvan Library is kind of an interesting choice. The Wheel of Sun and Moon. I think it's actually really good for oh the Wheel of Sun and Moon. I like. I saw I saw him get a dredge guy with that. He couldn't do anything. Oh gosh, that sucks. Uh, That's when you have to go the uh, beatdown plan. Yeah, I watched him play. I watched him play the deck. Uh, He he piloted it. It was a very it's a very well built deck. He did a good job with it. So. Yeah, what else do we have in this? Uh, goblins. goblins. Yeah, redback, black goblins, which we'll do our deck tech here later on with. Uh, the, um, what was the pilot's name again? David Sharfman. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a semi, he's, he's had decent success on the Pro Tour. And here we go with that Boar Tusk Legion. Do, do they, does he have a Boar Tusk out of sideboard? Yeah, one Boar Tusk Legion out of sideboard. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that's for. I mean, it could be for, like, for the extra muscle against the bigger decks. It's a little bit bigger. It's out of bolt range. I think mm-hmm. that might be it. It's, just, it's yeah. a red pump out of bolt range if you need to get there. Yeah, because I've been playing Goblins for a while, and I've never I've never thought of Boar Tusk, Tusk Legion as an actual, you know, something to play in the deck. And he has the three Warren Weirding Spain deck, which good. I like and, that. and he also plays a singleton uh, Earwig Squad. Yep. Yep. Earwig Squad, good times. Uh, two Tormod's Crypt out of sideboard, one Boar Tusk with each, three Blood Moon, three Mind Break Trap, three Pyrokinesis, and three Price of Pod Progress. Somebody finally did it, and look at this. Hey, good times. Three Price of Progress. It's what every Goblin deck needs. Three or four. Almost. Anymore. For it to put up a decent fight against lands, and or lands against, seems like uh, it's probably the uh, the deck of choice for people who can build it. Yeah, well, it's it's just a good deck. But oh, we um, they get a comment in our Gmail account about uh, saying that the lands it's because of it being such a minority of the meta. And that's why people don't seem to be packing as much hate. But I think our argument still stands that and the hate against lands works against so many other decks. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing. Because even pop can hit an unsuspecting uh, um, natural order. player, natural order player, people who uh, are running twelve non-basic lands. Yeah, yeah. It's a damn good card. It's a versatile card. It just seems to work so well against so many things. So what? Let's check out what else we have. Assault Loam, I take it that's just an Agro Loam list, it's, right? It's uh, Agro Loam with, I believe, uh, Seismic Assault main deck. Yeah, that's what it is. I got it. It's pretty sick, though. Like, the ability to just grab three lands from the graveyard every turn and shoot your opponent for six. With the Countryside Crusher uh, Agro plan. CC. It's pretty good. So you deal two damage and your Countryside Crusher goes up plus one, plus one. Oh, this one doesn't play any Tarmogoyf. Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, no, no, yeah. No, Goyf is kind of an interesting thing, and he's playing four Null Rods. It's like he's playing Vintage. <laughs> <laughs> no Rods. I, I saw him just trounce people with no Null Rods, though. Uh, I can't remember exactly who it, who it was that he had the Null Rod on, but he just couldn't do probably, anything. Was it Soccer? It, yeah, I think he might have played that, it. That's who it was. <laughs> soccer, and he, had, he, had, he hit the Null Rod, and he's just like, well, I can't talk. I can't Thopter Foundry. <laughs> can't crack the explosives and deal with it. <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, I'm screwed. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. But the main thing was, he was topping blind at that point. Yeah. Or he was counterbalancing blind. Yeah. Uh, and tops would just sit there and be a one-cost nothing. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to wait to just get the Jace and hopefully Jace him out. That. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, then you got to worry about just getting burnt out, too. No rods are so good. No rods are pretty good. Good times. Good times. So. Yeah, what uh, else do we have? The, oh, the, and the red... Or, oh, no, this... What is... Yeah, that's the assault one. He had a one tabernacle. Remember, that's something exciting. Yeah. That's the, uh... The, uh... The rest of the decks are kind of bland. Yeah. They're all... made or nothing yeah, special there. That's pretty much a... Box standard reanimator anymore. Yeah, the inkwell leviathans get there. It t- it <laughs> it's funny that it took two weeks for it to become to for it to become a tier one and also to have a standard build. Yep, 
<laughs> that's what happens when it wins a Grand Prix, you know. <laughs> it just takes off from there. Yeah. So it's really cool to see the legacy metagame shifting as much as it has been. Yeah. These tournaments are really making it uh, very now you fluctuating. Have a, yeah. Now you yeah. have a big reason to buy your Underground Seas again. <laughs> yeah. Really. For a while there, there was there was no reason you you would only get the Ant. tropical islands. Yeah, and no, well, Ant, but Ants only plays like two or one. Yeah, there's a lot of those to play one. Underground Sea is good, but no, it's good. Uh, the uh, the thing that's cool is that um, I think a different has there been there's been no oh no there was two uh, two uh, lands decked at one right. There's been two lands that have won so far. There's been an Agrolorm and the Michael or, or then the thirty eight Chris. Chris Walter X, yeah. 38 land. Yeah, so I mean, like, the thing is, is that there's enough decks at the top that the people that go, I'm going to play the best deck, I'm going to play the deck that won, is that is, it'll it'll create a diverse metagame for net deckers. So, yeah, with the Merfolk, the one Merfolk was blue-white with the only white splash being for Swords of Bile Shares. Yeah, and which there, is kind of There is just a mono blue one. Blue-green Merfolk didn't make it out. Which is kind of funny because people were talking up blue-green Merfolk, oh, it has the highest one percentage out of all the legacy decks or whatever. If if somebody just has a bad day, they have a bad day. Yeah, but if, if there's uh, there's always that slim chance that those eight players who played uh, blue green Mirfolk had, had all really bad, bad days. days. So <laughs> that seems very improbable. Another, but another thing to say though is that Tarmogoyf is Tarmogoyf uh, when he doesn't have like, and and other um, and like maybe another lord can still get there. You know, and well, it can still get there. But yeah, but like the thing is that Tarmogoyf, you know, if, if he if he runs into another Tarmogoyf, especially a Merfolk, there's, there's nothing going to happen. I think our just group bounce, is oh. bounce off each other. I think our group's still a pretty big fan of the modern blue Merfocus. Focuses them blue green. Uh, right? I've been thinking about building blue white. Yeah, blue white like seems blue okay. White one. It, it seems good, but the blue green one I think still pretty overrated. The yeah. Um, well, you get you get a uh, you get an advantage each time. The, uh, the blue white one you get uh, the extra removal. removal. The mono blue one you get a very sturdy mana base. You get standstill. Uh, well, it's just the blue green one. They all play standstill, oh, yeah, right. dude. Uh, and the blue green one you get the best creature legacy. So you get the best creature. I was I was gonna play blue red with right. bolts. <laughs> I don't even know. I I, I think that I, would actually be a really good. I, that'd be a really good interest. It'd be interesting. Yeah, blue-red with bolts. Can't really agree with that being the best creature in Legacy. I mean, it's the, definitely the most played. I still think Progenitus gets there, though. The best creature as far as it can fit yeah, into any decks, its versatility, what it does for its cost. I was, I was just If I had sorry. my pick, though, of the best creature in Legacy, I'd say Tombstalker, just because it's just so devastating when it hits. Yeah. It's hard to remove. It's huge. Tarmogoyf, like, I mean, like, the thing is, is that usually, like, when Tarmogoyf starts winning the game is when the game's already won anyways. Mm. Like, yeah. So, like, like I don't know. Like, yeah, I've never actually, whenever I, I've been playing my Tarmogoyfs, I've never actually played them in a position where I wasn't already winning. Yeah. And even if they did come when I was losing, I never played them. I had to play other things around them. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite... It's actually quite interesting to see. Yeah, this is the best creature in, in terms of size-wise, but he just he just doesn't have any other abilities that makes him great. Yeah, it's just the fact that you're getting a four-five for two mana, which is damn good. Yeah, it's good, but he doesn't evade anything. He he sits there and he he blocks and he kills a guy every turn. That's about it. That's pretty good, so I hear. I'd rather have four damage though myself. <laughs> but yeah. nah, never mind. But I think we're getting off topic. So, what were you going to say, James? Oh, nothing. Yeah, I just I don't like the hell of no evasion part about it. I mean, I've I've, I've lost more time with boys than I can say. But let me tell you that like I, there's just certain like just certain aspects like top decking a time with can be a bad thing in certain spots. Like, you know, like, it's just, it's one of those cards, it's it's so good, but at the same time, it's really nothing special. So give us an example where it's bad top deck. Uh, Progenitus. Yeah. Anything's a bad top deck against Progenitus. Um, not Anarchy. 
and first of all, Parrish is a good top thing. Yeah, so, that too. Tarmogoyf decks lose well, except for the Boomer Folk. I mean, like the the Zulus uh, with the Tarmogoyfs in it, such a good top deck when you just lose that Nelson. Seems the uh, combo decks against combo decks. If you're top decking Tarmogoyfs, you're not going to get there fast. That's uh, true. It 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 really does it really does have a, a lot of you know a lot of deficiencies, especially uh, against the uh, combo decks that also have a control element in them, to where they can keep the timer waves at bay until they combo off. I think we should just remember that that could be done with any creature. Right. And as far right. as creature standards go, he's far and be- above and beyond most creatures ever played. And surprise, surprise, he has no abilities. Yeah, uh, it's still... You know, I don't think we should knock him down at all. He's the Lurgoyf of Lurgoyfs. He's a Lurgoyf's Lurgoyf. Actually, ter- I think I think Terravore is pretty good, too. Especially Terravore yeah, is also Terravore another Lurgoyf. Terravore can die. What? Terravore can die if I remove your graveyard. Tarmogoyf is just an 0-1. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I guess. Tarmogoyf is just an 0-1. But with Doran, he can be a 1-1. Oh, Effectively yeah. a 1-1. So, you guys right, want to well, do our deck tech? Uh, why don't we take a short break and then we'll do the deck tech. Okay, short break, everybody, and we'll be right back. All right. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Legacy Hardware. We're going to go over our deck tech of the week, and we're going to go over a deck that has defined Legacy for a very long time, up until the past two years. Two or three years, I think. And that deck would be Goblins. A lot of you are familiar with it. For those of you who have been playing Legacy for a while, you probably hated it for a while because that's what the meta used to revolve around. But today it's a little bit different, but for those of you new to Legacy, this is a little bit of a history lesson and what the like, what used to be a very important deck in the Legacy has actually popped up in the last couple of big tournaments. So, uh, let's go over the basic Goblin creature base. What do we have first? Goblin Lackey is probably the most important card in the go- most important Goblin card in the deck. Am I right, Matt? What do you guys think? I would believe so. Yeah, he ultimate tempo. Like, uh, there's nothing more satisfying than going turn one lackey, deal with it. Okay, you didn't deal with it, you didn't play a creature. Turn two, Siege Gang Commander. Yeah. It's a pretty devastating... De- it's a backbreaker. It really is. And what else do we have within that? We have Aether Vials, which are, most, are in most aggro decks and Legacy right now. Aether Vials, you just put some charge counters on that, put out your more expensive goblins. We have Goblin Matron, tutor up any goblin that you need to your hand. We have Goblin Ringleader. That's the main card advantage engine of the deck. And like James said, Siege Gang Commander earlier. What am I missing? Uh, War, uh, Chief. War Chief. War Chief, yeah. And then that's about Goblin the... Goblin King. No, no, no. no don't no. worry about it. Goblin King is an option. Uh, what, you, what you guys have talked about is pretty much the basic backbone of the deck. Uh, Sam's Wasteland. You didn't say Wasteland. Yeah, wait, well, I just yeah. went over the creature base real quick. But, but uh, wasteland yeah, turn important to the, the base. The backbone of the deck is pretty much lackey pile driver. Pile driver can even be cut. Uh, lackey ringleader matron um, vile and two siege gang commanders. Normally, now, you play four of the other ones. Now, what about incinerator? Incinerator is is pretty much the well. He is the main uh, because he's the outlet. removal spell. So I'd say he's probably part of that backbone. Okay, and he's a three or four uh, copy card. Is he is pretty important? Yes. Seems to be. Uh, the rest of the deck is very customizable, depending on how you want to do it, because there are so many different goblins that do so many different things. Uh, uh, the uh, big consensus right now is playing two or three sting scorch. Because it does something that red normally doesn't have, which is tempo. Red normally has a lot of trouble with creating tempo on the opponent's side of the field. However, uh, um, Sting Scorcher gets you that, plus a body for blocking. Uh, yeah, and like just to touch on it, we, you know, uh, I think on our first our first episode, we, we said it. You know, like the reason that goblins have had such a fallout is because of Tarmogoyf and what it's done to the deck. You know. Sting Scorger bounces that guy right out of the way for you. Takes care of him. Um, Doesn't afraid of anything. Yeah. Right? Uh, other things are playing maybe one king you, you for the mountain walk just in case you need it. Um, playing two or three copies of um, Chieftain 
Chieftain's good for that. Um, playing uh, uh, Goblin Goon is another guy who gets huge for you. Uh, and then after after you've dis- after you've smoothed out your creature base and decided what your creature base is, uh, you can either choose to go full on red and just go with the creatures, or you can splash another color. You and can add splash a any more. one of the other four colors. Yeah, pretty much. you can <laughs> splash any one of the other four colors and add some support. Green is a good splash because Tarmogoyf is huge. Uh, so, also, Ten Street Hooligan gets you the kick. Ten Street Hooligans is very nice. Yeah. Um, well, not kick. It's just well, when you play green. Yeah, uh, I call it kick because that's what he's doing in the. Yeah, he's picture. kicking the can. Uh, white gets you access to swords and path, which are really big for the deck. Um, blue gets you pa- uh, access to blue elemental blast out of sideboard and standstill main deck. I haven't seen a lot of people do this. However, it seems like it would be a pretty solid setup. Good synergy with Aetherbot. Especially if you're playing uh, Mutavolts like the, uh, the... It's basically the red version of Merfolk right. is what it's going to right. be. It's going to mirror that image. And, and, then, and then black is can get you a lot of the good... Like the black... Uh, War and Weirding. War and Weirding. We have to pull off of your... Uh, to pull off of your matrons... Uh, Perry shot a sideboard and uh, earwig squad. It's a lot of good options. You can go a lot of different ways with this deck. Now, my personal opinion, I think the red black list might be the most effective because it can deal with things that the other ones just can't. What would your opinions be on what maybe the best way to go of goblins? If you're looking to take a stock list into a tournament, would you want to do the mono red or would you want to splash for one of the colors? And what color would that be? Well, to be fair, I think that with the deck, because of um, because it's 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 the red, it's big R. It's always going to be a big R deck because you um, need the synergy within the Goblin Tribe, right? And the thing is, is that um, and Lance and I were talking about this before. Like, you need like if you're playing Ringleader in your deck, you should be playing Fetches. Fetches get uh, get more lands out of the way, so that way your Ringleaders are just that much better. You want to thin that deck out, exactly. And the thing is, is that. What I think is so cool is that it doesn't really matter. You could run anything. Like you could run a one of Taiga and a run of Volcanic Island, but like you can still run a majority of like all your um, all your all your goblins and stuff. And like maybe say you're just running the red black one in particular, which is my favorite because of Warren Weirding. Like you can still have like a Singleton Taiga in there, so you can go grab like grips and other things out of the board. It just it's pretty good, but yeah, I do agree with Lance. Like the whole, like I mean, I think you think red. I mean, Jason, but I think like, the red black is pretty good because you can rip Warren Weirding off of a um, off matron, off a matron, and that deals with Iona, Progenitus. Like it deals with so many Dreadnought. It deals with one creature. It deals with one creature, and only if your opponent has one creature, because if they have three creatures, they'll target the lowest. Well, yeah. One. They'll target the one that you don't really need to target. Uh, but usually at those decks, they have the one creature that they need. And that's their primary win condition. I I unfortunately disagree with you guys on this fact. I believe that the red-white version is the best. You think the swords of shares are that necessary? Yes. Uh, the one thing the deck lacks is a good uh, point damage, or a uh, point uh, Point creature, pinpoint creature destruction. Targeted removal. Targeted removal. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Swords Plowshares does that. Um, the uh, the other option would be to run uh, Path to Exile. However, uh, this does not play towards uh, the strength of goblins, which is the mana denial through Wasteland and sometimes just import. Uh, so a lot of times, maybe a split is in order, like two. Two swords, one path. Uh, one sword, one path, or even just all swords together, all together. Um, but also, white opens up for some good sideboard stuff like uh, um, Oblivion Ring. Okay, Oblivion Ring is really good out of sideboard for goblins because it adds extra removal. It adds uh, artifact and enchantment removal, which is something that red always has problems with. I would think that the green. Would be optimal when you're talking about artifacts and shit. But you got a cursing grip. 
Right, right, right. But that's optimal for only one thing. Yeah, I, I know. But white gets you all the three of those things combined. But how much synergy are you sacrificing in the form of that pinpoint targeted removal? Not yeah. a whole lot, really, because you're only even uh, with allowing them to gain life and allowing them to get land. When your primary mode of winning a lot of the time is mana denial. Right. Uh, you can let the game go out a little bit longer to take to make sure that you can get more damage through. Uh, the um, the sword splash shares only does uh, does power. So if you take out like in the cattle, they gain three life, and you attack in with five dudes and negate that three life, and maybe take down three more at the time. At least you're still ahead. Well, that's true. However, it's just it seems to be non-synergistic with the rest of the deck, and that's my issue. That's that's just the reason why I have. No, it, it feels like there's some clashing interests going on. There. It's understandable. Uh, another option, of course, is Journey, Journey to Nowhere. That's something that I'm playing around. Journey is good. Uh, it gives. Uh, it, it's a low cost answer to any creature. Um, also, another good one is Temporal Isolation. Temporal Isolation goes on, uh, but it doesn't really help with creatures that have abilities that are really affecting the game state. So what are the benefits of the other splashers? Let's think about this. The red-blue splash, very interesting with standstill. It can really help you get around the counter, the soft lock of counterbalance top. That's really nice. I think it's with the Aether Vials, you know, it, it gives you some backup against them, I believe. Yeah, and it's not really it's not really played because the, the setup is a little hard. You have to sacrifice your turn two to play standstill, and you must make sure that you have either a Mutavolt or an Aether Vial ready. I don't know if you're really sacrificing your turn two as much, as long as you do have that Aether Vial ready. Right. The Aether Vial kind of... It's like, yeah, sure. Seems good. Uh, a big problem with the blue-red one, and uh, and uh, what, what I've seen with it, is that because you're splashing that blue, you have an island, uh, your best matchup is Merfolk. Like, it's obviously... It's like through and through the best matchup. But the thing is, is that you're just trying to help them a little bit. Like, you give them that island lock. Right. Which is not entirely a good thing. I mean, granted, it's already a good matchup anyway. So, but like, it right. still feels right. like, it still feels like you're doing a little too much to help them. So, what benefits do we have in the red black list? We the have red black list has edicts, which are really easy to uh, get creatures that have shroud. Really good for reanimator now because they only ever play one creature. Yes. Um. Uh, the black also gets you. Uh, uh, earwig squad, yes. For uh, take away a combo deck's main way of winning. Yeah. Like so. most tendrils decks run three, uh, three, uh, three um, tendrils anyway. So another thing, you know, uh, parishes a lot of black sensors to progenitor the same one, and that allows a possibility yeah. of that as well. Parishes is all around good. I mean, like, like the big problems are green decks. So I mean, take out everything. It's like you know, like why. Why just work? deal with it. Yeah, just deal with it now. Takes care of a farming boy. You know, it, it helps. I would think it would even help out against the zoom matchup quite a bit. So the list that won this past weekend was red black. The one that had done really well before was a modern red list. So we do have some interesting things that Goblins has been peeking its head back in the meta a couple of times. That just seems really weird to me. <laughs> So it's it's just interesting that it was one it used to be this dominant deck and it's taken a back seat now for like the past three years and now it's coming back onto the scene a little bit. It's a really interesting take to note. Shows how much the format actually goes full circle. That's with any format and that's just the same with legacy. Legacy it takes a little bit longer, but now it's becoming quicker with all these uh, all this more support for the format. Alright. So, so what else do we have to talk about with our goblin deck deck tech? Uh, sideboard options. Sideboard normally states that you must have py uh, pyrokinesis in it. Pyrokinesis, pyrokinesis is, good. is great for the uh, uh, the mirror and uh, the mirror folk uh, match. Also, can for free get rid of a three four um, tarmogoyf and some other uh, some other things along the line there as well. Uh, Options uh, for graveyard hate, depending on what kind of colors you play, you can play Ravenous Trap, uh, which is actually kind of good. 
Uh, but the normal Tormod. is uh, Tormod's Crypt and Relic. I think Relic is a little bit more favorable because you don't have to worry about your graveyard so right. much, and it draws you a card. And that, it also can take care of the Tarmogoyf pretty easily. Normally the best thing to do, though, is to split two and two and one just to stay away from Pithing Needle Paint. Yeah. Uh, other good options are uh, Tinkerer, Goblin Tinkerer, can kill an artifact... Uh, and then he'll deal damage to himself equal to that artifact's uh, converted mana cost. Converted mana cost. And so we also have what we noticed as well. Well, what we find we've been advocating for a while, and it finally happened, was the price of progress. That is somebody did take the time to put that into the sideboard. So really encouraging to see that somebody did something like that because and, it, not and to say that they hurt us and so what I know, but it's been common knowledge for a while. But it's kind of disheartening to see these decks make top eight. And not have price of progress in the sideboard when it's good against so many things. Yeah, yeah. And I would suggest probably two or three price progress. What do you think uh, of um, perhaps was it Boyle? Destroy all islands. Boyle is is a good option if you're walking into an island heavy. If you're walking into a blue heavy meta game, uh, heavier than normal. I know blues normal have normally heavy, but a lot of times you're going to find out that you're going to have you're going to roll over the blue decks. And then have trouble with the Zudex. Mm-hmm. So if you're pretty sure that uh, out of the ten guys that are sitting at your table at the tournament, nine of them uh, or eight of them, including yourself, are playing some sort of blue, good thing to have. Yeah. Another another thing because um, and this is something that took uh, at least I think myself and Jason a while to realize is that because uh, Zoo can be kind of a bad matchup. Uh, a good way to get over that in the board, uh, creature-wise, is Bortusk Leech. Bortusk Leech and Bortusk. A uh, thing that you have to realize about Zoo is that all their burn spells deal three damage. Bortusk is just right out of that range, and it's perfect because it allows, it can save some of your guys, which is exactly what you need. Fire Blast does four, I believe, right? Yes, Fire Blast is four, uh, Chain Lightning and... Lightning Bolt are three paths. Alex is three. But the thing is, is that they're all they're, there's no way that they're going to sacrifice two mountains, right? Because they'll never they all well. No one say they won't ever, but they'll most likely. I've seen a zoo player cast a, a cast a fire blast six to win a game. That's kind of sad. Yeah, because of course he had another fire blast afterwards. Oh well, in that case. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's pretty good. And I think that might just that, be it. I think that wraps it up. What time are we? Uh, we're at just over an hour. Cool. So we just made our average time. Yep. Hooray, us. We're consistent. So everybody, this is going to... That ends the episode for the week. We're going to just go around here and tell you how to get a hold of us. Our main places you can get a hold of us, we have our MTGcast Gmail. Uh, at Legacy Hardware or Legacy Hardware at mtgcast.com or Legacy Hardware at gmail.com. We have our Twitter account, Legacy Hardware at twitter.com, and we have our Facebook account as well, Legacy Hardware fan page on Facebook. So those are the main modes you can get a hold of us. However, we do have our internet persona, our internet usernames on different forms. So you want to start us off, James? Uh, yep. Um, Kaivaman11689 on everything. Uh, source, MTG Salvation, Magic Online, uh, Magic Workstation, yada yada yada. Same thing. Uh, I'm Elkive One or Elkive Everywhere. Don't worry if, uh, if you don't know uh, who I am, just look for those. Yeah. And Well, you're something else on yeah, Salvation. Yeah, I'm something else on Salvation. I'm Saber X on Salvation. And I, Jason, you can get a hold of me on as the Teague 89. The Teague 89 is on MTG Salvation. MTG, the source, and the Star City Games forums as well. Now, you can also get a hold of me on Modo as uh, just the T. There's no 89 attached to that. No, actually, it's the other way around. Everything else is the T. In my Modo is the T. 89. You gotta figure that out, man. This is my Dick's Lessig. Yeah, again this week. So, and I have no excuses in the middle of the afternoon. And let us know what you think, everybody. We're trying to make the show a lot better, a lot what you've been requesting, and we're trying to tune that. So let us know what you think, how we did this week, and we'll see you next week, which... Oh, James, you want to say something? Random segment. Actually, not really random. Uh, just so you know, uh, and we, we kind of hinted on this on the source, if you saw it. Uh, 
Jason won't be able to make it, unfortunately, because he has uh, That's right. prior, prior obligations. But myself and Lance playing deck set, not not gonna really hit that right now. Or we're gonna make our ways up to uh, Bestel, New York, uh, next weekend, and we're hopefully you know gonna do really well. Win us, uh, win us a mox, uh, win us a mox or a beta duel. Uh, if not, though, however, we will be up there deck teching, talking to people, interviewing. You know, checking out the local meta. And we'll have to email Eli this week, see if he'll let you guys do some deck techs or interview people. Make sure that's okay with Eli. Yeah. So, everybody, Lance and James will see you up at Vestual. Maybe I'll see you up at Vestual in May. But have a good week, and see you next time.